Hey. Hi, I'm Ashley. Hi, I'm Kara. And uh, this is Creeped Out and Creeping Around. Welcome to our podcast. So enjoy the ride. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. Creeped out and creeping around. Creeped out and creeping around. We're creeped out and creeping around. We're creeped out and creeping around. Creeped out and creeping up. Brown. Hello. Well, um, how's it going? So far, so good. Uh, so far, so good. You ready to learn about some ghost towns? I'm ready. I am the most ready I've ever been about ghost towns. Awesome. Uh, you know, as much as um, as much as I love a good like haunted tale, uh, ghost towns I did a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of kind of talking just like about the haunted aspects, I really focused on like how cool they are mm-hmm. because I think that like. They're, they're cool to just visit. They they don't have they're to be. They're cool to visit, yeah. Yeah, just like the history and everything. They don't have to be haunted to be, like, a good time, you know? No. I visited a ghost town recently in, um, when I was driving across the ways. Sorry. When I was going through Death Valley. There was, oh. like, a, a good ghost town in there, so we stopped and pulled over. That's cool. It was fun, yeah. I took uh, some pictures of some buildings. It was actually really cool to look at. They did a lot. And there was a, a house made of bottles. Oh, weird. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, that's... I, uh... But yeah, you know, I like a good ghost town. Yeah, and, like, uh, so some of them, they're not, like, really... Don't have, like, crazy past or anything, but, like, they're cool for different reasons. So I just talked about some of them that I just think that people should visit just for the heck of it. For funsies. For funsies. If it's on the way. Um, also, you know what I just thought about? What? Is... I think Oscar's still buried in the closet. Oh, yeah. So we've been in our office for probably about, <laughs> I don't know, a couple hours now. Mm-hmm. And uh, my cat likes to bury himself deep in my closet. Under and, all the blankets. Uh, under all the blankets. And I still think he's there? still down there. Well, Dwight just shoved his way down there. So he might not come out either. Well, you know, they get trapped in the closet sometimes. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> Cute. Well, and and Phil said that um, when I'm at work, uh, Oscar usually like hangs out with him for a couple minutes and then goes directly into my closet and goes to sleep for the rest oh of the day God, until I come rest home. Of the day, <laughs> Oscar, he did find himself a nice little spot. <laughs> is that Dwight or is that Oscar? I'm not I don't sure. Know. Is it? That's Dwight. Oh, it's Dwight. <laughs> Hi, Dwight. So, hey, Dwight. So, all right, I can go ahead and get started. Sorry okay, about fine, that little fine, 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 um, The first one I'm not really going to talk about because I actually have a full-length episode on it, and it is worth a listen because uh, this one is a crazy one. Uh, it's called Govan. Um, the town is located in eastern Washington. It was a it was a sandbank um, discovery. That's what kind of brought everything in there for or brought everybody there to mine for sand that they used for like concrete. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like for the building because that was like, that was when people started like, really doing like foundations for buildings. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. They stopped using wood and they were just like, let's get some concrete in. Here. Absolutely smart choice. <laughs> I mean, they're like, maybe we don't need to burn down every couple years. Maybe we should try something different right yeah (laughs) so that was something that they exported from there um and an alarming amount of murders happened in this town 
for its tiny population. Like it, its boom was never really that big and it only lasted, like it was a very short, it has a very short history and a weird ready, like, and there's, there's some ups and downs in every story, so... Every single one. Uh, definitely worth a listen. But that's all I'm going to say about the town now, because I want I want to really... Um, go listen. Go listen, yeah. Go back. When it comes out, absolutely. Um, so, Bodhi is the next one I'll talk about, which I just thought the name was ridiculous. Bodhi. Uh, Bodhi. Bodhi. So, this town is located in Okanagan County along the Taronda uh, Creek. Um, it's off of SR uh, 20, which, you know, is a, it's a pretty popular area for, like, kind of sightseeing SR 20. Okay. Um, it's, it's, like, one of the main highways in eastern Washington. Okay. Um... It was founded by Henry DeWitts. Okay. It was settled in 1888, about two years after Republic was established. And Republic is a much, much bigger town. Um, and it mm-hmm. always, it actually still, I believe, has a population as well. Okay. Um, and that was kind of like the main headquarters for a long time of this area. Um, a high quality ore was found in the region, so that attracted a lot of settlers. Okay. Um, or that was mined in the Republic Knob Hill mine was milled and processed there until the decline of gold prices. Um, it, they like plummeted, so it closed the mine and emptied the town of Republic, like okay. comparatively from what it was, because it was like a booming town. And that was in 1934. Booming in 1934. Yes. And a lot of people at the time, um, like that. A lot of people, like, kind of migrated from Republic um, to Bodie uh-huh. when um, when Bodie started having, like, their ore explosion. Um, and it wasn't, like, that they, like, kind of moved out. It was just, like, they, like, kind of worked there, you know? Okay. And um, But they, they obviously lived where they worked because it took a day's time. <laughs> so... In uh, 1902 to 1911, the mine um, in the area was owned by the Bodie Mining Company, uh, which was actually backed by the Wrigley Brothers. Homie. It, it, yeah, there you go, bud. Uh, the, Wrigley <laughs> br- <laughs> the Wrigley Brothers of the gum. Like Wrigley's gum? Yes, like the gum. So they Wait, liked... hasn't that been around for like ever? Yes. Okay. Uh, it was definitely established when they owned the mine. Um, so they yeah. just like were really into gum and mining. How, dude? And okay. so, my uh, first question is, what is gum? <laughs> what is it? Uh, chewable rubber? I'm actually not sure oh, either. I've always wondered. I think that it's made from like. Uh, some some kind of plant. I'm not. You know, honestly, hold on one second. Okay. I gotta Google this because you know, I've wondered my whole life and I've never. Well, it. It, all I know is that it like doesn't deteriorate apparently in your belly. And also, if you like go into the Seattle gum wall, there's still like there's still gum there from forever ago. So much gum. That's located in Pike Place Market. Um. Aww. I. Right. It's a. It just is a. A gum, what is gum made out of? What is gum? A gum base or gum core. That doesn't make s- What even? That doesn't answer anything. It doesn't answer a single thing. 
Well, here we are. Still wondering what gum is. My, uh, I'm almost 30. It's, I, yeah. And I still don't know what it is. And, and it, the internet doesn't help in this case, I guess. God damn it, guys. So the mine was operated until 1916, okay. um, and then it shut down due to war conditions because mm. there was a war raging. And um, it actually reopened in 1934, um, which, uh, as I kind of mentioned about Republic, that was when Republic really emptied out. So okay. that was when a lot of the settlers moved over there. Um <laughs> And then it only actually operated for four years, uh, so 1934 to 1938. Can you just 38? Um, it then was bought again in 1940 to 1944 to, like, try it again. Okay. Um, but in the 1960s, the mill just kind of burned itself down. The mill burned itself down. It, it caught on fire, and that was the end of that. Ooh. From like the methane gas buildup and stuff like that, and you know, yeah, um, those methane gases, like they be getting it. Oh yeah, well, and also with like the problem with um those mines and stuff is like there was a lot of mining going on for like gold and silver there. Uh huh. Um, but some of them like coal mining. Um, if there was a little like coal started, like a little coal fire started, uh-huh. it could burn forever. Forever, yeah. So, That's true. like, um, there is an unexplained uh, episode, you know, the Wilna- William Shatner yes, show. Yes, I love that show. Um, I think there was one, if I'm thinking of the right thing, that the town was completely on fire for, it's still on fire, and so oh. um, parts of it just started... Um, just started like crumbling because right. it it and burned now it's for like so an long. abandoned town, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. um, it just like kept burning, but it's underground. I remember exactly. This. Yeah. And like all of a sudden, like I think there there was like people thought that the gates of hell were opening up in their backyard. Like, I mean, that sounds like the, there might be a certain person involved that might think that could possibly be true. Yeah. I mean, there are people out here that do believe these things. But, Absolutely. I mean, just top of my head, that's probably not where my head would go. I I'm, would be like, just what the fuck? I'm not going to lie. If I saw, like, a burning hole in my backyard, I'd be like, ah, shit. That's when you say, I got to leave. Um, should I call the fire department? <laughs> right. Can they... Can they can they put this out, or like, should I stay here and watch it? Or what? Can I just is it like an out? unattended fire that I'm not supposed to? Leave? Is it the same? Like, should I go get marshmallows? Uh, <laughs> tell me what you kind know, of fire you are. What do I do? <laughs> um, so maps from 1937 show over 45 feet uh, or 4,500 feet of tunnels throughout the five levels of the mine. Yeah. So it was like it was huge. It's huge. Um, and then about two uh, 2,070 feet of ex accessible and open braced supported by like timber or timbering Mm -hmm. so uh that's like what's still accessible and what was accessible at the time because like some of them obviously collapsed and everything at at certain times so there was there was like 2,000 feet of tunnels accessible at all times that's gross um it is estimated to have produced about 1.3 million dollars in gold so like uh, and that's converted so however much in 1930 time but like it's it's produced a considerable amount of gold yeah that's a lot um at one time the store had oh not the store (laughs) sorry the town had a store Uh um it had a post office a cook house a bunk house and a hotel 
And most of the residents in the town worked for the uh, Perkins Milling Company. Perkins Milling Company. The buildings are now decrepit and falling down, which gives the town a really spooky look. <laughs> um, so the buildings, like, they they just look like the typical ghost town because they're all, like, falling down and, like, really, right. really old looking. And it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Uh, so the, that's where you go for, like, your typical... Ghost town pictures. For your typical ghosty town pictures. <laughs> exactly. Eight buildings still stand today, as well as two outhouses, which I didn't think that those should count as buildings, because they're, like, well, tiny, they're, they're tiny buildings, houses. I guess. But then they're outhouses. And they're outside, so they should be... Yeah. I mean, like, I guess they're structures, and but... people still use them, though. I don't know. I don't know that I would go in one to find out, but... You don't want to fuck around and find out? Uh, not when it comes to shit. You know what? <laughs> and it, this goes uh, back to a conversation that we once had about falling through a floor. Yes, I do remember that. Um, <laughs> and falling into a outhouse floor that's like a hundred plus years old would be... not like the best thing you could do with your day. It would be a hard death to explain. I, somebody set me up. <laughs> they told me to come here. <laughs> they knew. I followed a map. Often, this town is often mistaken for Bodie, California, which is actually like where, what it was named after. And that one's a super infamous town with a whole, for like a whole bunch of reasons. Okay. And I did some like light research and that's actually why I picked this town because I want to do Bodie, California too. Okay. When we get there. Okay. And so I was like, I'll just do both of them because it's like, then at least you know a little bit about Washington. A little bit about both. Monte Cristo is the next one. Monte Cristo was active uh, from 1889 to 1907. Uh-huh. It's in Snohomish County, um, which is like north of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Monte Cristo Peak is uh, right along the Sauk River, and that's what it was. It's near. The trailhead is actually located on Mountain Loop Highway. Um, which is a beautiful drive, as one one podcast team found out. We did. Uh, And uh, I'll I'll tell a fun little story about this little trip as as I close this story up. But gold and silver were mined in this town, and then it actually later became a resort town. A resort town? In 1983. There was a resort there. Wow. Uh, like a little ski resort. A ski resort. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Joseph Parasol saw glittering deposits in 1889 in the um, the river, the Sock River. And so he traced them north to the 76 Gulch, which that area is now what we call Monte Cristo. Okay. Uh, so he, like, basically kind of followed the gold there. Follow that gold. Follow that gold. <laughs> um, early settlers would get there on hiking trails from the south. Jesus Christ. And, yeah, they would, like, hike to the middle they of these woods. to the middle of the woods. Yeah, wow. and it's not like, easy terrain, as we I, also uh, found out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but eventually in 1891, um, it did get to a popularity of like, people going there to where they actually built a wagon road. Oh, and so thank it was God. Yeah, right. Finally, they built a road. And it, I mean, like, it was only three or two years, you know, so that, that's how long They're it like, took. like, a lot of but, people have been hiking in and out of here. Hey, this takes forever to get people, yeah, so. Yeah, we should probably just work around that. Right. <laughs> um, and that actually allowed access from the north at this time, too. So it was only oh, really nice. accessible from the south. Right, and now, okay. now it opened up the north. And that's... Um, Thank goodness. Exactly. Thank goodness. (laughs) Work was uh, funded by Thomas Ewing and the George W. Grayson, or Thomas Ewing and George W. Grayson. Um, The miner Edward Blewett, which I just, I have like an honorable mention about that town because... (laughs) It's called Blewett. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. I'm from Blewett. <laughs> and uh, then a judge also, uh, he was a judge and a, pu- a publisher from Seattle also invested. Okay. A wagon road was built over Barlow Pass, and later a railroad followed the same route. Mm. So they they were really booming. In the town, there were 13 mines and over 40 claims by 1891 and then by 1893 it boosted up to 211 claims wow the town was so hopping uh Mm -hmm. john d rockefeller became invested and his companies bought the controlling interest in all the best mines oh really a rockefeller a rockefeller i wonder how Um, that worked out there's also somebody uh frederick trump Huh. Grandfather to Donald opened what? a hotel and alleged brothel there. What? Which is actually his first real estate investment. So this is actually the start of the Trump's wealth. And it was a brothel? It was a hotel and brothel for a small mining town, gold mining town in Washington. I guess you gotta start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. The trail is said to be really beautiful, uh, which we were almost going to find out. We and the found area, out. but the area is very super pretty, so yeah. we did find that out. We did find that out. That was a nice area. The boom peaked in nineteen or eighteen ninety four, where the population was over one thousand. Whoa! So calm down, guys. Right in the uh, yeah. So in it's too many people. It's for that a place. lot of people for this little tiny area. Yeah, for sure. And um, especially because in 1896, major flooding destroyed the railroad tunnels and the track. When the town reached its peak output levels in 1897, intense autumn floods caused major damages. So they oh. pretty much wiped out a bunch of the town. And this is a very rainy area anyways, so it caused a lot of issues and still still actually does. I'm sure it does, yeah, for sure. Mm. It's a beautiful river. It is. I can't imagine it overflowing. It just rains so much. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well and uh, this town is a lot lower. Oh. Like it's right. It's it's a pretty flat track actually. Gotcha. Um, because it's along a railroad road. A railroad. A railroad. railroad, railroad, railroad. railroad. It's like, yeah. Because <laughs> it was originally like a road for, uh, like built for railroads, and then uh-huh. they expanded then it they to expanded be able to actually really, like, drive, drive on it. it. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, by 1900, the boom was all 
basically over and most of the miners had left to they, yeah. they left for the klondike mining jobs right, yeah, yeah. so all the alaskan mining jobs those were like kind of referred to as the klondike times so. yeah um in 1907 mining officially ceased in the town there was basically bled dry the town survived a few decades for like a tourist destination mm -hmm. but in december 1980 the road flooded so bad that the road completely washed out and they weren't able oh to rebuild they were not really able to rebuild it or like they could but they said no yeah because and this ultimately caused the lodge to completely get abandoned oh my gosh and it officially burned down in 1983. And then it burned down? Yeah, this was actually the former Trump Hotel as well. That's so fascinating. It's a weird connection. That is a weird little connection. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. That's so random. I know. The hike was about four miles long. Um, in the 1950s and 60s, an attempt to revitalize the town happened. Uh, which was really funny because uh, tourists were actually able to drive into the mountain and see carnival-style attractions at Monte Cristo, like s like a guy they called Slippery Slam or Slippery Sam, who was a dummy that they put in a coffin. So they put like weird little weird little setups like that all over the town to like try to draw people in for how weird it was. Okay. That's one way to do it. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> Monte Cristo was basically cursed from the beginning. It wasn't ever supposed to be a town. The economy went through a recession shortly after mining began, so all credit was froze and all the wages fell. Oh, my Workers gosh. There's just, like, I just imagine all of your neighbors or, like, your coworkers and just, like, I don't know. You can't. You can't do anything. You can't get away from anything that's happening. Uh, oh, it no. It feels like. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, it's such a small place that everything well, just kind of piles on top of each other. And you work and live with the, all the same people. Yeah. And if one, everybody loses their job at one time, so it's not. Yeah. So there's like, yeah. oh, my gosh. I can't. Well, and then they all, all the workers went on strike. And they spent three weeks it, freezing in the snow. Oh. Waiting for the way or waiting for the rail line to be completed. That's poor things. So it was bad working conditions. Yeah. The Robe Canyon section of the railroad kept falling due to flash floods. Wild. So it was not great. Mm -hmm. And avalanches huh. wiped out the area. What? And the buildings no also way. causing mass exodus from the town. Oh, my gosh. So it was, like, flooding and avalanches and fires. Like, this was a cursed town. I feel like this is just a theme. And it kind of uh, makes sense why Meg and I couldn't find it. Because the map tells, tells you to go to the Barlow Pass Trailhead, which is also a trail. So we did not read the huge sign that we parked directly Rightly next to. Yeah, like right in front of. <laughs> that says Monte Cristo trailhead across the street. Yeah. So we went and everything that I read about this hike was that it was really flat. Yeah. It was super chill, like a really... Very easy. Yeah. And then we are dying going up this mountain basically 
straight incline. Yeah. And finally we're like, we, we've hiked so long. We're not doing this anymore. So we turned back around, got back to the car and saw this sign. And then we were like, well, let's go home. <laughs> that <laughs> we, was our window. That was our window. We and then had... we almost crashed and died. <laughs> yes. But we did uh, have really lit great bagels in the morning it was such good bagels it was a nice drive it was, i mean like i had a great time i also way. had a great time it, it was, was a good time it was a good good hike and a lot of fun so. good hike um we missed the point but you know you, we can try again we really attempted hard though we did try we committed and we drove all the way out there <laughs> i picked ashley up at like six in the morning or something oh, we got up so early <laughs> she got up so early and she is not an early lady she is a nighttime lady so <laughs> i you could say i'm a lady of the night you are a lady but of the night i don't I, I wouldn't actually describe myself as that but she's she's got a husband well and i i have an other job i don't often you know sell my Tell myself not that there's anything wrong with it, but you know, you know, you don't often um, do it. I don't often do it. No, no. Me uh, Fra- Franklin is the next town. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is located uh, off of Highway 410 near Black Diamond, Washington. The hike is about, oh, we've yeah, been there. yeah, it's actually right by that cemetery. Yeah. The hike is about two and a half miles round trip. You can still see the local coal cart and the sealed mine shaft where the footpath, or and there's like a footpath that leads uh, back to the cemetery. I think I went there. Oh yeah. I think I did that as like a solo hike one day. Oh, that sounds nice. And I saw the cart, and I saw the cemeteries in the back, and yeah. then it kind of like the trail kind of ended. And it was, like, on somebody's private property. Oh. And I was like, well, I guess I can't go anywhere else. So then I just turned around. <laughs> I think that's where I was. Probably. But that sounds really familiar. And, uh, I was yeah. just... and you know what, though? I saw a snake on that hike. And I... Ew. I know. Um, but I didn't freak out. And, like, <laughs> it was actually a really nice day. And it was lovely. And um, the... The gravestones were very hard to read. That's kind of what it, it like, goes into. Yeah. There's also, like, the remnants of an old powerhouse back there. I don't know if you saw that, but... I don't know if I saw that either. I think I also might have taken a wrong turn at some point. That makes sense. Which, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, yeah, it makes sense. That tracks. <laughs> um, Franklin was established in the 1880s and mostly made up of immigrants, uh, most of them European descent. Mm-hmm. There is a railway. There was a railway. Railway. My gosh, that's a hard word. That is a hard word. Word. Railway. Yes, that went from Seattle to Walla Walla. Okay. It also it stopped in Franklin, um, mostly to pick up coal, and then take it to San Francisco. It's like one of those stop stations. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like a working a working town. It's a working town. Um, a major coal mining accident happened on August 24th, 1894, and it killed 37 miners. <sighs> they all happened to suffocate. Be- none of them died in the fire. <sighs> because the mine... Er, and it was initially thought to be intentionally set, what? but there was, like, some more investigation to it that it that wasn't what happened. <sighs> um 
it was also it was caused by spontaneous combustion because a smoldering blaze ended up being covered and like I was talking about um they would smolder for days months yeah. like weeks it, it you know it was crazy they had no time frame on when this right, might when happen it might, if it yeah. did because usually they didn't know Ugh, that's so tragic yeah so it created a furnace in the in the mine and it gets kind of worse but okay. the deceased were all employed by the Oregon Improvement Company Oregon Improvement Company okay they were very used to being in dangerous situations sure so when the like fire started none of them thought it was that serious and they they all underestimated how how bad it was going to get so no attempt to get out of the mine was made by a lot of them. Instead, they all rushed to the fire and tried to put it out. But because a furnace had been created because it was so far under, they ended up dying from all the fumes. Um. So once people started, once people started to realize that people were dying uh they did try to get out but a lot of them just just didn't get passing out one by one and they're like basically yeah they're like yeah we should probably get out of here but at this time or at that time by when that happened do you know if they they tried to help the other dead people out (laughs) yeah they did like they did there was um there was quite a few people who were like trying to rescue people and waiting uh-huh. for their sons and their friends to come out. Oh my gosh. And so the smoke was just too serious and moved too fast. Oh. It was it was filling up Those the mine at an things. insane rate because it it just got a it was a huge blaze. Oh, that's so sad. Oh yeah. Um oh, way to go. The fire was noticed at 11:45 a.m. Um so it was really it was pretty kind of late in their work day mm-hmm. it was down on the sixth level so it, oh, was, it was way deep, down there, deep yeah. down there unfortunately because they were so used to these fires being just fine and they mm-hmm. they didn't know how serious the situation was yeah it was taken as a joke by the superintendent no yeah by superintendent wt ramsey Bucking he began, <laughs> right? He began uh, making light of the situation and joking around, and they were all just kind of gathered, like having a chat, just just palling around, until someone ran up screaming for help. Oh no! Oh no! At the time, to- at the time, there was a lot of people around gathered, just having a chat. So. There was a lot of people or a lot of men that rushed into the mine. Uh-huh. And they did it, like, super excited, not realizing how bad it was. Right. The first body was found about a 1,000 feet underground. And that. he was, <laughs> it was so far down. And he was identified as John Q. Anderson. Mm. As soon as the first body was brought up, the mood just entirely shifted well thank goodness everybody became way more solemn because a lot of them realized that the people that were around were like the wives and the children and Uh friends so they kind of eagerly waited to see if their person was going to be brought out alive at that point right 
Did anyone make it out alive? No. You just are bringing me further and I further know. down. Do you see they how were, sad I am over here? I know. <laughs> I took off my glasses. They were found in like all different states of like, some of them were very peaceful. Like they, it was just happened all in an instant. Okay. So basically they just kind of went to sleep. Sure. Which was what carbon monoxide kind of feels yeah. like. They They immediately just like fell down and went over. However... One of them was found with his head buried in the mud trying to escape the smoke and fumes. I know. Johnny Jones was found in the gangway next to his son, Evan John, who was only 18 years old. It appeared they both could, or that his dad, John, could have ran to safety, but he waited for his son. And it ended up killing both of them. Both of them. And uh, just a light note for you, so you cannot be so sad. Evan did have a peg leg. So. I mean, he wasn't even... Okay. Yeah. That doesn't sound safe. Peg no, not in a fire situation. No. It, it did... doesn't sound like he should be a thousand feet under no. the ground with a peg leg. That's <laughs> no. what I mean. It doesn't seem like a smart decision. No, and I just kind of think, like, back to the fact that people just had peg legs that's how, also how a, i am skipping over that part right? he did just have a peg leg and they were like yeah. you'll do you'll do you'll do just fine so um but the mine didn't close down after that it continued to operate until 1919 but most of the jobs in 1919 were eliminated and it caused the town to be completely abandoned Ugh. the death of a town how yeah, sad yeah i know so that was that was that town, very sad, but you know, it's a, it's still a pretty walk. Um, the that cemetery is still there. Yeah, that was Franklin. You know what? I did pass by that coal mine shop. Yeah, it's real scary looking. But now there's like um, wire mesh covering it, so nobody oh, can yeah. go in there. But it's people just a, definitely tried. It's a deep dark hole. I don't. I, why would anyone I don't want to go down there? I one hundred percent don't. I don't want to go. Um. So, next, we're going to go to Molson. Molson, okay. And that one was founded by George B. Meacham. B. Meacham. And John W. Molson. Hmm. In 1900, it was founded as a mining boom town like everywhere else. <laughs> and John W. Molson was actually a founding member, or one of the founding members of the Molson Brewing or Molson Beer Brewing Company. Okay. It was a family-owned business uh, in in Canada. Okay. And they were actually the one of the largest breweries in Canada. Oh. He was also an officer of the Molson Bank, so he was pretty well off. Okay. Located also in Okanagan County, um, which is actually less than two miles from the Canadian border. The town had three general stores some saloons, a blacksmith shop, an assay office, um, which I actually looked up, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I was going to say, what is that? Uh, hold on one second. Let me remind myself. And it was also uh, the home of the Hotel Tenasket, which I have actually heard of before. So I thought that it was a pretty, um, it was a pretty cool name for a hotel. That is really cool. Um, let's see here. So around... Around its boom, it was um, populated by about 300 people. 
It's not many. It's not. It was, but it was, it grew like that overnight, basically. Oh. So it was like a huge rush to this town. It, yeah. It boomed within two weeks of finding, um, finding ore. Which is crazy because like all these people got to come from so far away to like come to a Russian boom town. And then all of a sudden it's just like, it's, do they just go off to the next one? Absolutely. Like, I think they all work? just like, they have a party where they're like, hey, you know what? We're done with this one. Let's go to the next one. And then they all get a group of guys together. Um, oh, an assay office is like an ore processing oh, okay. and testing place. Gotcha. Like yeah, so they, they were able to process it themselves there. Nice. So it was like, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty hop in town. But it only lasted one year, which is why I wanted to do this town. Because one it was year. only boomed for from 1900 to 1901. <laughs> That's a whole year. That's all four a seasons. A whole year. I um, what they all experienced in that one year. I don't know. It be sounds crazy, crazy. Year to like rush into somewhere, move in, have a year of work, and then just like everybody leaves. Right. That's wild. And they built all of those buildings. And they, like three general like, stores. You know what? You know what you can accomplish now, though. Like, <laughs> right. You know your limits. Like exactly. you did all of these things. So much things. Uh, after that one year, the population fell down to 12. Just 12? 12 whole people. That's less people to feed, I imagine. Exactly. <laughs> the uh, Molson Company, which is kind of what um, John founded, uh, initially invested $170,000 in the town. Like, he backed it. And then when he saw that it wasn't as fruitful as he wanted, he withdrew the entire $170,000 oh, and it shit. collapsed the town. Yeah. So he basically brought everybody there and decided that he didn't want to do it anymore and, and then took his money and left. said, bye. Yeah. Pretty, pretty big dick move, if That's you ask me. That's kind of a big dick move. Yeah, a little bit. Especially <laughs> with, like, no warning or anything. Exactly. Just like, all right, I'm done here. Actually, Bye. this didn't go as much. Like, it didn't go as I planned. I wanted more. You so... know, I'm just going to take this back. Thank you. Thanks for trying, though. <laughs> My bad. My bad. <laughs> My bad. See you in the next one. <laughs> See you at the next spot. After 1903, people did continue to homestead here. Those, like, 12 families were pretty pretty established. In, yeah. So they, they created farms and homesteads. That's pretty cool. Um, in 1905, though, J.H. McDonald decided that he was going to claim the town since nobody had and he filed a 160-acre claim, which basically took the entirety of the old Molson town site. Okay. And so he posted on, like, people's doors, hey, I own this now, you need to leave. How do you just decide that you own something? You just, because nobody had filed it before. So he was like, I'm going to do this. And the reason is because he heard that the railroad was coming to the area, so he wanted to be able to sell the money to the railroad company. Okay. Uh, or sell the sell all the land and then get a bunch of money for it. Basically, he just took this land, decided he was going to sell it, and kicked everybody off. I mean, that's really just history repeating itself. And, um, and he learned from somewhere, I'm sure of it. Yeah. It sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. I feel like I've heard this story. <laughs> I know. Weird. Weird. Hmm. McDonald ended up getting into several bloody fist fights about this. 
because people beat the shit out of him all the time for taking their land. Because they, they tried to stay on their property. Like, they were homesteaded. They were established. They, they, were established. they built houses yeah. and everything. And he's just like, no, nah, that's fine. But yeah. because he was an officer of the bank, mm-hmm. he... Won. Ha- yeah, he got a settlement. So they settled Fucking with him. insane. That's insane. And everyone there had to move a mile and a half north. A mile or no, I'm sorry, a, ha- a half a mile north. A half a mile. They all had That's to move it, a, a half, half a mile. mile. And they established New Molson. And then that, t- that like, area in between exists as, like, Central Molson. That's kind of what it's called. Okay. So there's New Molson and there's Central Molson where the old Molson died. Yes. And then there's New Molson where the people move. Yeah. Does New Molson have its own thing? It's not like confusing at all. That's for sure. No. Uh, Well, in 19... Why didn't they just rename it? I'm... I'm Homesteader's Land. I don't know. Maybe they were trying to give like an ultimate F you to the guy. Like, ha ha ha. We have the land too now. Okay. Turf I'm not wars. sure. Okay. I know. I'm not. If I was like, if I was going to be on my own turf, I would name it something else. People also were not creative with naming towns at all. That's true. They, they were just like, like, this is my last name. I or I moved from this town. Let me just call it this town. Yeah, that happened all the time. You're right. You're right. <laughs> they were not creative. No. So. In um, 1960, though, an outdoor museum was actually established there by Harry Sherling, and it preserved the memory. So all those new towns that were built um, in 1905, those were actually preserved, and it's now an outdoor museum that you can go through. And it's pretty cool. It was a museum, and it's established they were able to, like, keep some of the buildings intact and not let them, like, just fall to waste. This is... Old Molson, right? Uh, no, it's New Molson. Oh, New Molson. New Molson, okay. because Old Molson is still actually on private property. So he still owns he's it? He's still, well, I mean, he's dead now, but like his, his family his owns, family it. owns so it. the or, railroads never came and who, got it? Uh, they did not. They did not. Because they went to New Molson. <laughs> I mean, let's just that. Uh, that's kind of karma right there. Yeah, that's karma. Uh, in 1907, that was when it came through. It revived the town. And it served as a border crossing town for Canada. Okay. And a new hotel was built there in 1911 because one that was already established there burned down in 1910. Wild. I know. Crazy. Every time you tell me something burns down now, I'm just like, hmm. Hmm. Weird. Interesting. Uh, They called it the New Imperial (laughs) Imperial Hotel. New Imperial. Sounds fancy. (laughs) I know, right? In uh, 1916, though, it was renamed to the New Wallace Hotel. I'm imagining because it changed owners or something. Probably. But in 1923, that burned down. And it was the last time that it burned down because they didn't rebuild it. Yeah, they're like, we're "Ah." just not going to build things. They're just going to catch on fire. Yeah, what's the point? What's the point? (laughs) The town at that point did collapse because the Great Depression hit. Oh. And uh, the railroad abandoned the area and it returned to a quiet agricultural community, which it still is today. There's a a few people in the area who have farms and kind of still. It's just like a. It's like just a farm down. Yeah, it's like a passer through town, a passer through area, and population then you can, seven. Exactly, you yeah. can stop off at the museum as a, like a little oh, stretcher cool. legs area. So nice, that's pretty cool. It is. It is really cool. 
The next one we have is Roslyn, which I'm also not going to talk very much about because uh, Meg goes into it pretty deep. I did. The largest mining accident did happen here, um, in, or the largest mining accident in Washington State. Obviously, we don't have a lot of mining, so <clears throat> there's probably bigger accidents that have happened. No, I it's, mean, it was all mining. Let's yeah. get that straight. For a time, yeah, it was all it mining. It was only mining. But nowadays, no. <laughs> so that one's located over in central Washington near Clay Elam, and uh, that's probably about what I'm going to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Cliquato is the next one, and I might be butchering that, but based on kind of the, the spelling, that's kind of what it looks like. Cliquato. 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 Yeah. There's a Q in there. <laughs> it, there is. It's okay. C-L-A-Q-U-A-T-O. Cliquato. Cliquato. Cliquato, Cliquato. yeah, Cliquato. Okay, Okay. Uh, I got it. It was founded in 1850s as a a thriving lumber town. Oh, look at this. You write lumber. Yes, uh, with just just a mill. Like, it just just had a a mill. mill. Okay. And uh, people people cut down trees there. It was, it's located uh, right outside of Chehalis, which, or the town now is called Chehalis, and that's in Lewis County. Right. The town prospered um, up until the founder fell into the mill in 1864. He did not survive those injuries. Mm, I wonder and if the hospital was like pretty close by. Or... I don't. I don't know. I don't think he survived think at all. Like, like I don't there. think. I don't. <laughs> I don't think Did they, they even, even go down and check. They, they were like, he's gone. They probably were like, ah, that's probably our. There's hard no mill. way. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. No, not not today, friend. Um, <laughs> can't drag me into that hole. Uh, so in the same year, it was bypassed by the railroad, uh-huh. and it was essentially abandoned. Um. <laughs> So that sucks, right? But there was a cemetery already established there, and they did build a Methodist church, um, which is actually the oldest standing church in Washington. No way. Yeah. That sounds really cool. And it's still, like, it is still pretty... it's still intact. Like, still like, do people remain go there. there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You can definitely go there and take pictures. And um, it also uh, did stand as like schoolhouse as well. I'm sure. And it still has the original bell. Ooh. So it's still yeah. I know what it sounds like. When I, I do too. It. That'd be so cool. Remember when we went to camp and we rung the bell? Yeah, well, that's so fun. That's fun. Oh, camp. Okay. <laughs> it's been actually restored to its original state. So they they oh, really? continuously restore it. They paint it the same color. So do it they still like, like run services out of it? No, you no? actually can't oh, okay. go inside the building oh, okay. because they want to keep it there because it's, you know, the oldest standing church. Yeah. So they, they do a really good job. And it actually has like this badass crown steeple. Okay. Like it's a, it's like a literal crown around the steeple. It looks so cool. Just the carpentry of it's really beautiful. So we should go there. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Lewis Hawkins Davis arrived there in 1951 Mm -hmm. after traveling a really long way on a wagon train from Independence, Missouri. Mm -hmm. He envisioned a road system 
to the town through the trees to welcome settlers. Like, he had this vision of a town, and he decided to set out and make it. Okay. Hawkins and his sons created all the roads, and uh, they, they first decided to lay a road that led over the hill and down to the confluence, which so people could come in on the river and then have a stop off and go up to the town where people would, you know, get off the boats and then other okay. people get on. So it was sure, like, sure, sure. yeah, it was a town that that's how it was established. Okay. That was on the Skookumchuk and Chehalis confluence. Hmm. So, but before accommodations were built, Davis and his wife encouraged people to just camp under the large fir tree near their home because it provided shelter from the weather. Oh. Either like in the hot sun or from the snow. It would create like a little, a little, a little shelter, shelter from it. Yeah. It was a huge, huge tree. Cute. Um, let's see here. So, I know, I guess, so, I was just, like, imagining this cute little old couple, like, welcoming people in. Come on and camp over here, guys. Guys, you won't get wet over here. <laughs> After, like, you know, him and his sons built roads all day. In 1855 to 1856, the Indian Wars came to Thurston County. Okay. It created a lot of unease in the area, especially, like, all, almost all of Lewis County was really, like, tense, and there was a lot of fighting. Okay. Uh, the forts were erected throughout the area, and they did build a fort in Cliquato. Cliquato. Yeah, the like a military fort. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the first person to die there was actually a little toddler named Mary Spinning. Mm. She uh, kind of rocked the town with her death. They they were very very hit by this little little girl dying how did she die it never said i think she just died of you know toddler death a toddler death Uh, died of 1850s she choked on a pebble maybe like or maybe she just like went outside without her shoes on and caught a cold you know she just got a splinter and got a splinter there's a lot of different ways that people were passing away at that time and it sucks yeah after the death, though, Davis was so shook by it, he donated a bunch of land to establish a cemetery in the town. Mm-hmm. And that actually still is one of the last two links in the town. Oh. There's the cemetery and the church building. That's, That's it. it. Interesting. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. It's <laughs> fitting. People were actually uh, still burying their families there up until 2009. It was one of those multi-generational cemeteries oh, where people I would see. return to and, you know, put their family members there. Is everybody stuck now, you think? Probably. Probably just one, you know, one one. We can't grave. even fit one more. <laughs> Guys. We're at three feet. We should probably stop. <laughs> uh, after, <laughs> after the war, Davis... Uh, look to build the town up like he was like okay the the area is a little safer people came from around the area to to like be safe from threats in the area from the indian wars Mm -hmm. and so there's quite a few people there and after that was settled they decided to keep building up the town with a sawmill and so that was built in 1857 the first lumber that was cut in the mill was the lumber that was used to build the church. Wow. I know. So it's all like full circle. Full circle. That's nice. 
<laughs> I know. I'm happy the church hasn't burned down. I know. Just like one wood building that Just remained. One. Just, Just one. one. Just one, guys. I said standing. I didn't say built. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Oh, man. The town quickly grew into two hotels, a blacksmith shop, a carpentry shop, and a cabinet shop, a livery stable, uh, which is where you could like park your horses. <laughs> Oh, okay. For them you to be taken care of. You can just park your horses park here. Park your horse over here. Uh, there was a general store, a church, and a parsonage. Uh, they also built a cable ferry to go over the um, go over the confluence uh-huh. so people can go back and forth. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and a bunch of homes were built. Hmm. In 1862, Davis built a town courthouse. He okay. wanted to he wanted to really bring it full circle and he it was a two story building and it made this town the county seat. Oh wow. So they like really took over. Dang. But in eighteen seventy four it lost its county seat to Saundersville, which was later named Chehalis. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is still a pretty it's a it's a larger town in that Lewis yeah. County. And then on August 6, 1902, the town was officially vacated, like fully done. But they still, people still returned to the church for occasional services and Sunday school up until the mid-1930s. Dang. Yeah. Holy moly. Uh, the next one is Melmont, and that town was founded in the 1900s. When the Northwest Improvement Company started um, the Melmont Coal Mine. So this is another coal Coal mining town. It had a schoolhouse, a train depot, a saloon, a hotel. There was also a post office, butcher shop, store, multi-purpose building. Multi-purpose building. A multi-purpose building. You gotta have a (laughs) multi-purpose building. Was it also three stories? Yes, yes it what? was. Yes, no it was way. three it was three stories and they like had uh had each level had a thing. The housing though, it was kind of weird cuz the housing was like in lines and it was broken up into nationality. Hmm. So, but they didn't have like a rule that you had to. They town just kind of self-segregated. It just self-segregated, yeah. Which wasn't uncommon Not in mining towns. No. Yeah. The North Pacific switched from steam locomotives to diesel and then um, electric models, which kind of destroyed the economy of this mm-hmm. town. I imagine so. Yeah, it kind of sucked because they were producing coal. So yeah. the coal produced was sent about three miles away to be processed in Carbonado, and the mine was active still for about 16 years. It produced about 4% of the total output Okay. of the county. Not a lot, but a little. Not a lot, but a little. Just a little. Oh, you know, actually, and this one was, this one actually is in Pierce County. Oh, it's in Pierce County. So it, it did the, the whole amount. Um, on December 24th, 1905, the house of Jack Wilson then foreman of the mine was actually bombed. And this is why I put this in there. It was bombed with dynamite that was uh, placed under the house. Somebody set him up. Somebody set him up. The oh windows God. of the house were, like, all blown out. Uh-huh. And nearby houses' windows were, like, broken out. But neither Wilson and his daughter, who were the only ones in the house at the time, 
were harmed at all. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, it was out? actually, yeah, a miner named David Steele was charged with the explosion, but they could never actually prove it, so they dropped the charges due to lack of evidence. Which, I mean, you can get away with anything back then. I guess so. You just you just go to another town and it's dropped forever. I guess you're right. <laughs> I didn't keep records very well. Or no, do police work very well. Very poorly, actually. Very poorly. <laughs> In 1918, the Northwest Improvement Company did cease operating, and the Carbon Hill Coal Company attempted to uh, operate them a few times from 1917 and 1990 or 1919, mm -hmm. but it just couldn't get off the ground. Okay. They were all unsuccessful, and by the early 1920s all the mines were closed and a forest fire destroyed everything that remained in the town you know those forest fires exactly they're a little bit out of control they're a little bit different than town fires a little but, bit different than a town but fire but man, a little extra wild. a little worse actually a lot worse <laughs> yeah um all that remains is just a foundation or part of a foundation of the bridge that's really creepy and a small building that was used for actually explosives because it was kind of fireproofed in a way. Uh-huh. And uh, also the foundation for the schoolhouse. That's the only things you can see in this area anymore. That's crazy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I thought this was really creepy and I wanted to see what you thought about this. The last resident in this town was named Andrew Montleon. Okay. And he lived in the basement of the schoolhouse. For how long? For a long time. <laughs> how long are we talking? Well, I, it doesn't say when he moved out, but like... So, okay. This, this last guy holding on didn't want to leave a basement of a schoolhouse. And it was just because he was homeless or because like he didn't want to leave the town? I think that's just where like he lived and he didn't want to leave the town. He lived in the basement of a schoolhouse. Isn't that weird? Was I mean, I guess when was the last time people were just hanging out in schoolhouse? Exactly. I mean... Was he there the whole time? I don't know. I mean, it was like almost completely empty by 1920. And so he had, like, the town operated for quite a while, but it really... Between 1917 and 1919 is when most people were gone. Right. So it was like I wonder what he did with his I time. I wonder what he did with his time. But you in know 19... he wasn't out murdering people. Uh, maybe who knows? There was no people around. There wasn't many people around. No, but maybe he went to a different town and murdered. You know, took a day trip. Take a day trip. You know, I mean that's hard though. <laughs> yes. It's hard to get over them hills. Uh, in 1920, Stephen Pock or poach or something of that nature, bought uh -huh. the Melmont schoolhouse. So he bought the schoolhouse. Okay. And he decided to tear it down. Because <laughs> there was a creep living in the basement. Because there was a creep living in the basement. <laughs> and he wanted the wood. And he used it to build his house. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. Take it from somebody else's house. Exactly. Yeah. So those are all the ghost towns. But I did have a few honorable mentions that I wanted to sneak in here. Okay. That I didn't I didn't go fully into. They just had like a fun little fact that I wanted to like kind of have pop a... in there. The first one's Fairfax. Okay. Uh, it was a coal town in Pierce County. And it was only accessible by railroad or pack train until the completion of the Farrell Bridge in 1921. Okay. 
the mining began began in 1896, so that's mm-hmm. a ton of time. And the Fairfax mine um, was the one in the town, and it was owned by the Western American Company. It was also connected to Carbonado, where the coal was processed. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was hugely profitable. Hmm. Like, it was one of the most profitable, or profitable towns uh, that was in, like, Washington State for coal. Interesting. And then in 1910, the Manly Moore Lumber Company started hiring millwrights to expand to lumber. Okay. And now it's the reason this is why I wanted to mention it is because it's such a cool hike. Like looking at the pictures, because all the remnants of the buildings of the towns uh-huh. are covered in moss Ooh. and it brings in like all of these crazy plants cool. and they, there's like gorgeous flowers that grow all over there Ooh. and it brings in all kinds of animals that you can like see. So that's definitely a hike to take. Hike to take. If you, if you just like want to take a beautiful hike and see some cool things and also like visit a cool ghost town that is something i would highly recommend fairfax also uh lester um because there's super creepy abandoned houses there like if you were to picture a town that you would definitely get murdered in that is lester Okay. It was founded in 1892 by the Northern Pacific Railroad um, mm. when they were laying s- track over Stampede Pass. Sure. And then by 1915, steam engines and passenger service uh, service trains stopped like stopped being used, and it like completely declined because cars were becoming busy. Right. And so the station was completely demolished. Sounds about right. But the the houses in there definitely murder murder alley. Okay. And then, uh, like I said, I was going to mention Blewett <laughs> because Blewett. it's just named after Edward Blewett, and it was just really fun. <laughs> Edward Blewett. Um, <laughs> it's in Chelan County, and they found huge gold nuggets in that town. Like, yeah. the biggest the biggest in Washington was recorded nuggets. there. Yep. Nice. So, yeah, that's uh, all the ghost towns I got for you. Well, goddamn. Hot damn. Hot damn. And like I said, like, they weren't all, they weren't all cold towns. There was a lot of them. Yeah. But, like, that's kind of what, what the deal is. And, um, like, a lot of them were just so cool just for the fact that, like, what, what still stands there and, yeah. like, the weird things that people did when they knew that they were just going to, like, be moving on to the next town in a couple years yeah, at the very crazy. most. So, because you also, like... If you committed a crime, people just disappeared from to go from town to town all the time. All the time. So that's a huge reason why none of these crimes could ever get solved in this because state. Because people were just like everywhere all the time, especially in a rural like a rural area. Exactly, and they can just be like, "Oh, hey, my name's actually not Edward Blewett. Oh, I'm it's just a normal stay name. here for two months and make some money, and then I'm just gonna pass through. Exactly. Or I'm gonna die. Or I'm probably gonna." So yeah, there we go. Damn, that was great. So that was a good episode. That was a good one. That was a good, good one. Good Thank one. you. No problem. Anytime. Uh, all right. Oh, it's well, like a little stretch. Exactly. I I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed finding out about these towns. So yeah, that's that's what I got for you. Oh, Bye. Thanks, Ashley. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. <laughs>